can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you Hello and welcome to Movies We Miss. This is a podcast with me, Jane Blackburn Hammer, and my dear friend, Brandon Greenhouse. And if this is your first time joining us, we created this podcast so that we could sort of force feed each other movies that the other hasn't seen. Um, Sometimes it's a classic movie or sometimes it's a classic stinker, but we assign movies to each other so we can talk about them. And I asked Brandon to watch a movie he's never seen. So, Brandon, how the hell are you? I'm doing I'm doing really well. You know, I'm I'm surviving and and I'm thriving. (laughs) Good. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be here with you. You know? Yeah, any, and, um, anything interesting happened to you this week? Uh, no, not a thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, nothing interesting. I'm still living on the tail end of the pandemic. I, as I, like, I, I decided, I guess. What tail do I end. Well, um, you know, we're, things are moving forward. I guess there are a lot of people who are acting like the pandemic is over, so it feels like it is ending. A lot of people have been acting like it never began, so, you know. <laughs> it's true. There was yeah. definitely, like, I feel like St. Patrick's Day weekend was the weekend where everyone decided they were fucking done. No, I, I agree. It's just been, it's been craziness. and But it's it's great. It's so much fun. So totally. this was, um you know, the big event this week. And then... Well, we did, we did take some time off from preparing for this podcast to watch an episode of Hoarders together. Um, we did. Virtually, was, of course. It was really a delight <laughs> to talk to you. And it was um, terrifying. It was, first of all, I have not watched a show in years and so it was like very very fun to like go back and we like researched and picked a specific episode actually i should say brandon researched and i just, picked a specific episode because I, I can't the show makes me physically ill and i'm like i can only watch it in like very very certain occasions okay so i have i hadn't watched tortoise for a very long time either i, I will say that <laughs> i'm not like piggybacking off of jane like i'm actually like a pa on it um no i hadn't watched tortoise either and like a week or two ago it popped up and I was like quarters and I just decided to watch it because it was like yeah let's see and it, it, what I will say is really interesting is like the two episodes which you haven't seen but you should watch one of the two new episodes they're both older men they're in some sort of like financial strain largely as a result of like of the amount of things that they have amassed their yeah, qu- their collection like of shopping. quote unquote treasures yes but <laughs> i will say that neither of these men though their homes are both nice homes and like it's not like they have to come in and like fix like some old episodes of hoarders that i've seen it's like they move the mound out and it's like oh this is where all the rats have been living cool <laughs> um well you should say that with the first episode we selected we saw like the preview for it the and first decided episode, we couldn't watch it, it was it was appalling and it was upsetting. There honestly, was like uh, there was a shot of a, a woman standing in a room covered, and I'm not like I am not I'm not using hyperbole here. 
absolutely covered in cat feces. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. That so was we really... had to select another episode. Because I knew that wasn't going to be fun fodder. I instantly knew we're dealing with like it's a just... person who's broken in ways that Dr. Robin Zazio, who is an expert in hoarding, is not prepared for. And I know I'm not. I already knew that Dr. Zazio was going to walk in and I knew that in her like confessional, she was going to say, the smell was unbearable. <laughs> I knew she That's the first thing it. she always says, which she I'm like, of course it, it is. And it's like, and, I know but you she have has to the most. It. Um, the most amazing poker face because I would go in there and immediately start retching. I don't know. I would, yeah, I would just vomit on one of the piles, probably. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, there's nothing is... we can do here. I have to go. <laughs> and I'd be like, this is this is my my Biles new home. Um, <laughs> and um, don't pretend like this is even the worst thing on your floor. Um, no, it. she walks in and she like literally like a dead deer carcass next to her. And she walks in and she like, <laughs> she walks around it and she walks up to the person and she looks them in the face and she gives them dignity. And I would stop at the door and I know I would just look at them like... What are you doing? What's going and on? And like here? that is that is what they deserve, and that's what they oh, need absolutely. in order no. to work through this. He's got the but tools. like I just I don't have I don't have the tools to do that with another person. I can't walk in a room with a pile of shit in the corner <laughs> and then look at you and listen to you tell me about how your house is just getting a little out of hand, and then me just standing there like going, yeah. <laughs> just nodding previously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like it's it's just too much it's like you and your roomies which are just like the neighborhood possums it's like (laughs) you've got to take a stand like they run this like you're outnumbered you're kind of this is no longer your home this is their toilet (laughs) this is this is an animal kingdom and not in a good way despite appearances this is not a hoarder's podcast (laughs) no although it very easily could be and i I, I don't feel like that would be like a hard transition for us that jump would Um, be as easy as pie for the two of us but i don't think that we uh, again i don't think we lack the nuance to give like you know give weight to the um mental health issue that no it's literally just us roasting them uh, Anyways, so, <laughs> so despite the hoarder talk for this week, we actually um, I was given the movie from Jane to watch. It was a classic by I think most people's standards. Definitely a romantic comedy classic. 2001's Bridget Jones's Diary, based on the 1997 novel by um, Helen Fielding, who also contributed to the the screenwriting process. I believe it's a year in the life of our heroine. And yeah, BJ, as she, you know, navigates love and life and career and everything in between. It's um, I'm so, so glad you watched it this week. So I always wonder, like when I'm watching a movie that I pick that Mm -hmm. I really love and Mm -hmm. it's so ingrained in me because I have watched this is probably the romantic comedy I have watched like the most times in my life. Wow. I okay, so I read the book in Uh high school. It had to be high school. And I became obsessed with the story. And I was just like, I loved Bridget. I related to her so much and just felt like she was funny and self-deprecating. And that's how I would like, I just like, you know, I think there's not probably not a woman within this time period that read that book and didn't relate to her, although, or very few who didn't. So I was, when they announced that the movie was going to come out, I was like anticipating it. For me personally, deliver like a motherfucker because I love Mm. this movie. 
I guess what I should do now is maybe just do a quick plot summary. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who are interested. Um, anyways, Bridget Jones is a 32-year-old singleton living in London at the turn of the millennium. She has a job in publishing, a cute little flat in a cute little neighborhood, wonderful and supportive friends, and what appears to be a reasonable income. Oh, did I mention she's a fat piece of shit? Well, that's what she'd have us all believe. Bridget has been gaslit by society, her insecure mother, and their upper-class friends, and basically anyone she comes across that she's not good enough because she's not married. Apparently, if you're not a child bride by 16, you're fucking worthless. Bridget has finally decided enough is enough, and she's going to take her life into her own hands. She will lose weight, quit smoking, drink less, excel at the job she doesn't really care about, and find a damn husband. She decides to start a diary to record her progress. We follow Bridget from one new year to the next and experience all the ups and downs and everything in between. She is endearing, bumbling, relatable, and a kind of everywoman for the time period. If you were a white, middle-class, cisgendered, heterosexual woman in the late 90s. She starts dating her boss, Daniel Cleaver. However, he treats her terribly. And while he is charming, that doesn't negate the fact that he's generally a selfish ass. Then there's Mark Darcy, the posh human rights barrister her mother keeps pushing her towards. Only Mark is rude, uninterested, and snobby. Or is he? Will Bridget be able to break the spell Daniel has cast over her long enough to see Mark's true intentions? Or will she end up alone, medically obese, and destined to be a spinster forever. The only way to find out is to sit back, grab some snacks, and press play on one of the most delightful romantic comedies of our generation. That is Bridget Jones's Diary. And that's it. That's Bridget Jones' Diary. <clears throat> that's the movie. No, it's um it was a uh, it was fun. I feel like I have like criticisms, but it's of, because of I course. you know, but I I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it as a film. Um, I love it. Also, like you're allowed to have criticisms just because it's like so near and dear to my heart. It's okay. I, I know. I know. No. No. I know. And I also have criticisms. I mean, it's it's probably harder for me to get to them. But after after hearing what you have to say, I'm sure that I will fully understand where you're where you're coming from. But I did. I did enjoy it. I. Well, you know what? I'm just gonna get into the things that I wrote down. Yeah, so, look, why don't we just know, get right into it? You and you I let will me know. also, um, I will also, you know, point out that Bridget Jones's Diary was a huge hit. I mean, this was a oh my god big deal. Um, it uh, the, had a budget of twenty five million. It made two hundred eighty million, over two hundred eighty million at the box office. It was released wow. in the UK and the United States on the same day. I mean, this was just a, a really big movie. Um, it was a it big movie because it was a really big book. Yeah, no, absolutely, you're right. It was a big book. I mean, and also the stars were all pretty big stars at the time as well mm -hmm. um you know Firth, Grant, Renee Zellweger obviously I, okay so one thing that I said that then I found out I was wrong about because I looked into this I at first I really didn't like Renee Zellweger's accent why it, like, I don't know something about it seemed spotty to me okay. and then I read a bunch about it though and and uh, like British people, not universally, but like overwhelmingly, were like, "No, it's good." So I was like, "All right, yeah. my bad." Um, I thought she really did a good job with her accent. I thought oh, it was, like, yeah, no. Strong. I mean, well, I could be wrong. Also, I, it didn't bother me as much the second time that I watched it. I will say that, but yeah, no. People said it was good, so I could be <laughs> for sure wrong. I'm not a British person, and so it is very possible. What? 
Yeah, no. I mean, I've played one on TV and I've been in many telenovelas where I played, you know, a British abroad. Can we hear a little? Spain. Uh, a, a little what? Oh, you're gonna try and you're gonna try and put him on the spot. Here's the thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're gonna sit here and point fingers at Renee Zellweger, you better I have it I said, in your pocket. First to do off, a- I can, <laughs> first of all, I can do it. Okay. I will say that like it helps obviously to have like a little bit of time to settle into it. Like there, you know, I'm not Robin Williams. Okay. I'm not one of one of the great accentors as they're called in the biz. Um, <laughs> that of, is of the time. official I'm title no, of a person who does an accent. An accent. I'm no Robin. Williams. Williams, I'm no Hank Azaria, you know, I'm no Bronson Pinchot even. So, you know. What? Oh yeah, he does Balky's accent, I guess. So anyway, no, I I don't know. That's why that's why I'm clear to be, and, and the thing too, which, what I do know is like mostly what I learned, I learned Cockney, I learned like RP, which is received pronunciation. So those were the things that I'm the most versed in and it's, it's really technical and it's like you sit down with like a monologue or a piece of um, text and you break down all of the sounds that are native to a certain region. Um, so it's it's wow. very like mathematical in a way. It's scoring is yeah. what it's called. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you know, once I sat, once I sort of like settled into it, it was fine. Also, mm-hmm. I will say that um, she, one of the criticisms that she got that I that I stumbled upon was uh, it being too quote unquote posh was the word everyone used. I have heard that. Um, I heard that when she spent a lot of time around Hugh Grant, her um, accent got a little bit more posh because I guess he has a posh accent. Yeah, that 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 was what I came. But then also there were arguments on both sides. People saying, "Yeah, but you know, her family may have may have been more middle class, but you know, you don't know what her schooling was. You know, you, her formative That's years. True. Who knows where you know where she studied? You know." Um, so yeah, so that was the first thing that I noticed. Also, mm-hmm. like once again, the second time I didn't notice it at all. Her mom says a couple of like off cuff things really oh early on. God. Like, I oh my god, I did oh, catch that. Her mom, her mom, when referencing um, Mark Darcy, uh, played by Colin Firth, um, uh, the United, I was going to say America's Colin Firth. I mean, we we did, we kind of adopt him. We love him. Um, <laughs> I would say he's shared between the con- uh, We'll share know, him. Yeah, he's he's a delight. He's yeah. a delight. Um, when her mother references him being at the party and an opportunity for Bridget to get to know know him better, she says, you know, he was divorced. And then she says, his wife was Japanese. Very cool race. And I had to rewind it because I was like, what did you just say? It's I know. A very cruel race. And I was like, it's oh. like within the first like 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah, and it's I was right like, as the movie started. And I like, hadn't watched it in a long time. And I was like, ooh, is this movie going to like not hold up for me? I know that there, <laughs> I know for a fact that there are movies that I am going to put on the table for you to watch. Yes. And I know that I haven't seen them in a while. And there are going to be things that are appalling. And I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Um, uh, the, so absolutely. yeah, we will, and we'll just have to address those things as they come. We'll address them as like, they come. That doesn't mean that. The you know, I mean, unless it's egregious, I don't think it means that the whole movie is ruined. I, no, it makes... but it's worth having a conversation about it and saying Absolutely. that was pretty fucked up. Yeah. And, you know, um, so so that was it. And then she also told Bridget that she looked like she wandered out of Auschwitz. In her, I know, um... I, I clocked that too. I was like, oh, God. Oh, okay, they're just saying it. <laughs> well, um, we're making fun of Japanese people and then we're making fun of the Holocaust within 30 seconds of this movie. Sorry. Yeah, she's, do- she's doling them out. <laughs> 
And then um, I also noted just uh, just a lot of cigarettes just being smoked very casually indoors oh throughout the entire God. film. But at the beginning, it sort of set the tone. It was like, because I have this moment where I'm like, I like it's the same thing I have now when I see people like kiss or like share a sandwich in a movie. And I'm like, COVID. And then I'm like, oh, this was made 25 years ago. Stop. Yeah. Um, but I, but it's the same thing. Where I'm like, she should be in trouble. And I'm like, no, she's not. It's She's not. It's First of all, this she's is fine. Europe 20 years ago. You could smoke indoors. I mean, that's the thing, too, is like, I remember when I watched this movie because like, so I, full disclosure, I used to smoke cigarettes. I do not smoke cigarettes anymore, but I still love cigarettes more than anything. And if someone told me that I was dying, I would start smoking again. Um, anyways. I loved, I like very romanticized the fact you could like smoke cigarettes anywhere you wanted, particularly in Europe, because I, the first time I went abroad was in, well, the first time I went abroad, I was in high school. But when I, the first time I went abroad by myself, I was just out of high school and you could still smoke inside in a lot of places, which like now that we don't do it is, and I'm not a smoker, is like super, super gross. But at the time I was like, oh, the freedom. So Jane's just shat on people that are smokers and she also just fled. <laughs> She wanted you to know that she'd been to Europe multiple times. She couldn't even keep the trips. She couldn't even keep the trip straight in her head. You know, she puts on her her custom her custom Dolce and she hops on her PJ and she gets out of here. You know? Fire up the PJ. I've got somewhere to be. Um, and um, also Jim Broadbent is playing her father. He's a delight. I just wrote down Jim Broadbent because yeah, he he's just an smile. international treasure. He's so he's so wonderful. Um, Every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, I know this is gonna be something that I enjoy. It's true. Yeah, no, it is. It'd be really funny to see Jim Broadbent in like a just like a, a movie where he just is like a fucking monster. Also, has he ever like I always think of Jim Broadbent as being a person who is like 55 years old for his whole life. Have I ever seen him as a young man in anything? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen him as a young man in anything, but there's some stuff that I've seen him in from the from the early 90s that's really delightful. Some stuff he did with the director, one of my favorite directors, Mike Lee. And he looks the exact same. Yeah, he, he really, honest and truly looks the exact same. And that's what I like about him. He's He he can transform into any character, but he still, oh, looks, sure. like your da- but he still looks like your dad, you know? Yeah, no, he's, he's really lovable. The next thing I wrote down was just like, so funny because it's like, I'm just, I mean, I'm just going on this journey. And so yeah. I know that this is going to change, but Bridget's mom sort of pushes her to go up to Mark and have a conversation with him. Mark is really cold and stodgy and just looks like he's holding in a fart, which is an expression that... <laughs> (laughs) That is... Oh, that is often found on his face throughout the course of this film. Um, and <laughs> he doesn't. There's nothing like you. You don't fall in love with him instantly. No, he looks like a dick. Honestly, yeah, and he he's acting like a dick. Yeah. Um, and he's very sort unpleasant. Of, yeah, very unpleasant. Like not even like pretending, not even putting on like some sort of facade of niceties. And then you know, Bridget goes up to him. They have a quick little conversation. She maybe makes a couple of little conversation, you know, mistakes, I guess, or blunders, but like nothing that can't be overlooked or forgiven with like a polite giggle. And um, actually, like the conversation that she has with Mark Darcy initially makes me like her even more. She's like, she's like fun and relatable about how she's like, I'd rather be in my apartment with my head in the toilet like normal people or whatever. And I was like hilarious fun yeah she's definitely like she's definitely she's keeping it light she's keeping it cute and Mm -hmm. he's giving nothing and then he excuses himself and she overhears him speaking with his mother and he says quote unquote that she is a verbally incontinent spinster who smokes like a chimney drinks like a fish and dresses like her mother (laughs) 
Uh, how fucking dare you, sir? Um, how fucking dare you? Also, I want to bring to light the fact that Bridget is 32 years old and they throw around the word spinster. Yo, you, didn't let, you didn't let me get there yet. Yeah. I, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That was literally my next note. Um, no, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. So first of all, this conversation happens. Um, she is maybe a foot away from him and it's like you would think before you're gonna throw out that many insults that you would at least look over your shoulder to make sure she's not you know like tying your shoe or something like she is well within ears ears reach and it is and you're in a small like house in the british countryside like i'm sure like and her mom and her father her mother and dad are also there as well as family and friends so it's just like you can just say this for the car ride home. <laughs> so fucking rude. She didn't say anything that was that deplorable that like this is called for. Um, so no. yeah, instantly fuck him. Everybody in this movie fucking pisses me off. Like <laughs> the way they treat her. Anyway, it's so, that, so horrible. The thing it's... I was gonna save this for for later, but here I'll bring it up later too. Yeah, fuck it. Bring, the bring thing it up that, want, baby. <laughs> the thing that bothers me. Uh, one of the things that bothered me, and it's that it's that uncomfortable thing that sometimes happens when you you get it from the characters in Seinfeld and like Larry David's characters it's except the thing is that they're actually kind of appalling people and like the thing is that Bridget's actually a really sweet good-hearted person and like the the amount of like time that is put in by other characters into making her feel bad but honestly especially the second time I watch this movie it's like every weird or like embarrassing thing that happens to Bridget for the most part is the fault of another character absolutely so I was so it was just something and everybody's just like anything Bridget fucking does everybody's like and it's just like shut the fuck up there were so many times i was watching this movie and i was like shut the fuck up and and character absolutely i mean the questions that they ask her they're like hey bridge old girl you ought to get sprogged up it's blah 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 like like they can't understand like so it's like such a bad everybody's like on her yeah everybody's on her about like, like her relationships everybody's on her about like everything her age keeps coming up and you're right jane i wrote this one next note like 32 years old is i don't know maybe i'm living in fantasy world but as far as i'm concerned 32 years old is like still really fucking young it's so still like, really fucking young but also this was 20 years ago and the book was written i think four or five years before yes, that it's a product of its time for sure exactly there was a huge expectation that i think a lot of people and particularly people like bridget and and this is part of it people like bridget sort of like fighting against that notion that like she's less than a person because she doesn't have certain things in her life and i think each generation has sort of like done that more and more and more and this is the generation before us and like thank god like this exists so we can watch this and be like hey this is such a fucked up expectation to put on a 32 year old woman who's really just trying to figure out what she wants jane your generation walked so my generation could fly and we appreciate it (laughs) we are both millennials we are two years i'm the one at the skate parks so i know what's really going on when i'm out there doing my ollies if you are out there wandering skate parks someone should arrest you me yes without a child you are a grown man walking around a skate park sniffing around i don't like it and i will call the police on your ass actually i won't call the police have you ever heard of home tony hawk i if i looked at a skateboard it'd be like (laughs) it would break in half (laughs) yeah no i wasn't i wasn't deft at it when i was a wee a wee lad i remember getting i remember getting a razor for christmas that i begged for and i wrote that thing for like a day. I was like, this is fucking, this is shit. It's stupid. I can just walk. I'm not getting anywhere that much faster. Like this damn razor. 
I remember that became apparent quick. <laughs> did you have to wear all like, the pads? I didn't, but you know, when I learned how to ride a bike, my mom was like, my, well, my mom actually tells this story still because I was such a, I was, shocker, I was such a cautious child. <laughs> yeah. And my mom tells these stories. She's like, you were like an old man when you were a little boy. Like <laughs> You're like mom, an old man now and you're 34 years old. <laughs> how dare you? Don't you ever give my fucking government age. <laughs> um no i when i learned how to ride a bike my mom said that like i made her go out and give me pads like so that i, could I love how you were the one being like mom we got elbows we got knees we got wrists <laughs> well but with the fame but her famous line is she was like and i went out and bought you pads elbow pads and knee pads and a helmet and then <laughs> we came back and you said to me i was like you got all your pads on you're ready to go and you said yeah but what about my shins and like my forearms <laughs> And she was like, Brandon, I can't put padding on your on your shins and your forearms. Like, you're going to have to take that risk. And I didn't love that answer. Um, you were like, not for me. But she was very much like, I can't like, I can't cover your entire body in padding. Like you, you would actually honestly, and in retrospect, it's like, you wouldn't even be able to ride the bike. If you had like padding on your like shins and stuff, it, I feel like it would like get in the way of the chains. Like it was nonsense, <laughs> which she understood. And I did not. You got to get there. You got to get there on your own and you can't, you know, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you're ready, you know? Yeah, that's I respect right. respect you for taking your time. I did. But you know, who didn't take her time was Bridget in the, <laughs> in the next scene. That was me. That was me trying to get us back. That was on a track. great after, after transition. I got us completely off track. So Bridget's got her, she's got her journal and she's, you know, she puts her weight in, which is 136 pounds. The whole time it's like, we're supposed to be thinking of Bridget as being this chubby person and like dowdy and she has such she's she's a thin person is what she is because Renee Zellweger is a thin person and Renee Zellweger I think gained 25 pounds pounds for this movie which means that Renee Zellweger I guess normally weighs like what like 110 pounds well we don't know what her I mean we don't know but I mean I'm sure I'm sure the numbers are are dancing around there though yeah Um, either way yeah but that was like one of the things that like made me feel always feel terrible was like like Renee Zellweger's supposed to be chubby. Like I thought it's when like, Renee when Renee Zellweger just has like a full a full healthy face. Like, like a like a normal like human. Like well, yeah. there's there's a scene later where she's putting on spanks or they're not spanks, but shape like shapewear. Shapewear sort of like underwear. Underwear, yeah. and she's debating between wearing like a sexy thong or wearing shapewear, sort mm-hmm. of thinking about the end of the night. And it's like, what? And she puts it on and they do like a close up of like Renee Zellweger's like flat ass stomach. And she's like, what's happening? What is this? I know. Um, First of all, I do that scene is relatable because she's like, if I wear the sexy under, I won't get laid. But if I wear enormous underwear, then like the chances of getting laid increase tenfold, which is very, very true. Uh, yeah, but like, not in, in for Renee Zellweger. Not for Renee Zellweger. Yeah. I'm just speaking for. Oh no, no, I can, no, I can feel that, and I, and I know from the, I know from. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the stories about myself and, and things that I've seen, um, but I've had to assist women before in putting on shapewear and spanks and girdles. What have you seen, Brandon? You know what? Um, I just I know, know. I just know that it is. It's hard to get that stuff on, and some of that stuff is intense. Melissa McCarthy has this really <laughs> funny story. 
it's it's one of the funniest clips ever it's on ellen but it's her talking about having on shapewear and how you can't really like feel your body when you have shapewear on <laughs> and not realizing that certain items were no longer on her body and it is hilarious. <laughs> uh, i know what she means in that and i know what she means not because i've worn shapewear before although i'm sure they make it for men but they i know do. what she i know what she means because i know what it's like in the winter when you have like thermals or undergarments on and then you have when you have two or three layers of pants on during like a really cold day mm-hmm. and you think that like something's up that isn't i've pissed on myself before in a <laughs> bathroom at a friend's home during a house party um in undergrad i was drunk and I had thermals on, I had underwear, I had thermals, I had jeans and I was really drunk and I was trying to hold myself up with one arm. And I didn't realize that I hadn't pulled down the second layer all the way. And so I ended up just pissing all over myself and all over my jeans. And I literally, it was like a house party where like a friend had allowed me to use his personal bathroom and (laughs) I pissed over myself. Oh yeah. And I peed all, my jeans were covered in urine. Like, and it was like, I can't walk out of here with these. I went to his closet and I grabbed a pair of his jeans. He was quite a bit larger than me. I grabbed a pair of his jeans. I took the belt out of my jeans and I cinched them around the waist. Then I stuffed my jeans under my, under my jacket. And I went out to my car and like, apparently that wasn't like, it wasn't like, Oh, I need to leave. It was like, Oh, let me go put these pissy jeans in my car and then come back in and party for a couple more hours. That, that was my priorities. Um, this is a true story. Like, uh, like just like a couple weeks later, we were out hanging out in the quad, and I don't remember jeans or pants come up or something. And my friend said, "Somebody fucking stole my jeans," and I was like, and I never told anyone about it. I was so Wait, horrified. You never gave them back. No. No, I did not get them back, give them back. I had those jeans when I left college. And I was trying to like you need to get rid of this. But he was, I remember he was like, man, those jeans, like it's hard to find jeans in my size. Like, I don't know what happened. And I just like sat there. What a monster. Too embarrassed to be like, I pissed all over your jeans, fam. Uh, well, to be fair, you pissed all over your jeans, not his jeans. Oh, good point. But I put like my kind of still pissy body probably inside of him. <laughs> Urinated um, on like legs and I thought he would be so mad at me I remember I was like he's gonna be so mad at me but like you were like I'm taking this to the grave I hope he's listening right now I got I should reach out to him and let him know (laughs) um so also there's a quick moment Bridget's working in her office um at this uh publishing company uh Mm -hmm. and her job is unclear they're never 100% (laughs) clear about what she does yeah she like at one point he says like she fannies around with press releases or whatever but yeah it's really unclear. She just works in publishing, which I she love. Works. I love vague movies. Nobody jobs. cares. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody cares. Fine. It, it has nothing to do with the movie. It's fine. And they're like, we're not going to exhaust ourselves trying to come up with a job for her. Um, <laughs> but I also read that Renee Zellweger, in preparation for the role, uh, spent a month working at a uh, publishing company in London. I and did hear that, yeah. The, but what I also read was that apparently, like, they didn't, nobody recognized her. She was, you know, doing her dialect and everything. And they said that, like, the only thing that was peculiar to people was that she had a photo of her then boyfriend, a framed photo on her desk. And her then boyfriend was Jim Carrey. And they said that. <laughs> what? And they said that some people thought like they they didn't know obviously nobody no one asked her and they thought that like maybe she was like 
it was like her her Hollywood crush or something, this woman. And like, she just had this framed photo on her desk. You know, they were too, they didn't want to embarrass her by bringing it oh up. Oh my God, that and is I just, so funny. But also like, Renee, what are you doing? Do you want to be found out or not? Because, she like, clearly did. She, of course she wanted, she wanted it to be like an Easter egg for people to be like, yeah. Um, excuse me. Um, why do you have a picture of Jim Carrey on your desk? That was my. That's no, it's pretty good. It's also like it also feels like something that you do when you, of course, want somebody to ask you about a thing that like you want to pretend like you don't want to be like a distraction (laughs) or anything. Like, oh, absolutely! It's like, like, oh, it's don't look over here. But you're in like like leaving, like (laughs) like leaving your Oscar on your desk. Like, how did that get out of here? I had no idea. Exactly, and you don't want to talk about it. Okay, why do you have like an Academy Award on your desk? She uh, does she have an Academy Award? Two, two. Yeah, for um, Cole Mountain in two thousand four, and then for Judy Garland last year. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, well, she didn't have an Oscar at this point, but no, no, not yet. Although this was an Academy Award nominated performance, so get into it. Really? Did she get Mm -hmm. best best actress? She was nominated for best actress. Wow. Right? Yeah. That. That's amazing. Yeah. Good I mean, for especially her. just for comedic, for romantic comedy. I was going to say I mean, for, yeah, for a romantic comedy and for. This was her first Academy Award general. nomination. This was the first one. Wow. I'm proud of her. Yeah. I, good, for, I, good for Renee. I love Renee. She's a, she's a fellow, you know, she's a Texan. So, you know, I got to. <gasps> oh my God. She is a Texan. And so, um, yeah. Also, I noticed that. So we meet her friends who I found to be a little. Eh. Um, oh, my God. I love her friends. They're, they're fine. They, they're, caricatures. they're caricatures. They're caricatures. caricatures and sure. we spend no time developing relationships with them. So I'm a little bit like, eh, whatever. I do. <laughs> I do like the little story that Tom gets her, her friend Tom, who what, who wrote a really big hit in the 80s and is sort of just living off of it, which I just think like, yeah, just I mean, at least write, try and write a hit a year at least. Like, <laughs> but he's apparently sustaining on like this money so it must have been like like a karma chameleon or something that he you know got his hands on and and you know he she says he's a poofer so that means he's gay and i don't think is it it's not poofer is that not what it is he's always a poofer i think like if anything the long term of that is like puffter like t-e-r not a poofer wait what does she say but it's a puff, like a, a a poof, a puff. Yeah. What did I, I say? You said poofer. Oh, <laughs> like, you know. It's it's the same thing. No, it's absolutely not. Oh God. Like I think with a British accent, it comes off as like puff, and then like the whole term is like puffter. What does it say? How does it sound in a bitch's accent? Anyways, continue. <laughs> so she says he's a puff. And um, so we're supposed to know he's gay at that point. Also, there's what's going on with the Nokia phone that he's like showing? He's literally holding <laughs> a Nokia 8260 up to his chest, like in a weird angle. And then he's also replacing like the faceplate on the front of it, which is relatable content because <laughs> you better believe, like when I had my little job at Great Clips back in the day. One of the first things your boy was buying was a new faceplate for his phone. I did wood grain. 
I did that hunter okay. green for a moment. You know, I had to get that <laughs> navy blue off as soon as I got it. It's like boring. Yawn. Um, <laughs> downloading free, um, downloading free ringtones. It was a full fantasy. Uh, absolutely. He's matching you to his outfit, which felt That's like... what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's holding it in such a way that it was just like, is he flexing for everybody? Because it was 2001. <laughs> like so this would have been shirt. like, it would have been like a, like, it would have been a good flex probably like around that 2000. That was the Phone, those phones were brand new at that point so mm-hmm. oh man they were so cool don't oh, worry guys i didn't everything. get one until like four years later but <laughs> i don't think i did either did have the nokia that was my first one the 80 the 88 the 8260 sorry mm-hmm. and um, i loved it it was mm-hmm. the cutest phone and i honestly kind of felt a low-key nostalgic for it while watching the movie i was like i want my 8260 back and when as soon as i get that and i'm not able to do the one million things i use my phone for i'm like oh, yeah, this fantasy's over so anyway the next thing that i noted in this movie was that bridget's really feeling herself she's feeling herself mm-hmm. and she goes into work with the shortest skirt on it's so short her booty cheeks are coming out of the back basically <laughs> it's so short it's like not very work appropriate but i like celebrate her feeling good about for sure for sure well renee's got a great little cute little you know figure in this movie renee is tiny as hell it's so fucking funny to me because like i'm just like girl you are not thick you need to stop um you were like a no in no world are you like a thicky thick in nobody's world are you thick like oh my god in no way and it's oh my god anybody seeing this would be like who's that skinny little white girl over there think she got a booty Um, but she's has her little skirt on. She's she's feeling herself, and she mm-hmm. is white British overweight apparently. Um, <laughs> and so she's got her little skirt on. She's filling it out. She looks cute, and she starts getting you know her messages from her boss. But I mean, the skirt was amazing. And I also wrote down sexual harassment, but cute. Um, oh my god, it's so funny because this is like this would be such a Me Too moment in any other like in our oh, like yeah. No one would write this this way at the time. We thought it was like such a cute meet cute moment, but it's like so inappropriate but like you're still here for it because the movie's 20 years also also like this is peak adorable hugh grant oh my god i wrote this too damn cute in this movie and like Mm -hmm. this is just this is like quintessential hugh grant it's like He's got his whole little thing going on. Bumble, bumble, stumbling of words. And, but he's and that confident. Hair and he's those, like oh. at that mix of like confidence no, you're and right. bumbling. He has a little bit more like swag. Very charming. And I wrote down, I was like, I never thought that Hugh Grant was like adorable until I'm watching this now as a woman in her 30s when Daniel Cleaver is in his 30s. And I'm like, he's incredibly dashing. Well, he was 40 like, in this movie, actually. Okay, well, he looks good. So she's... Um, um, she's at work. She's feeling herself. She's really, you know, we're getting to the point with these two. Um, there's a moment where they take the elevator together. Her boss, Kenneth, also hops in the elevator, who's the boss of Daniel, her boss. So her boss's mm-hmm. boss, Kenneth, is on the elevator, too. I also wrote down, this man is not in charge of this company. Like, he <laughs> looks like, he looks like the head librarian at, like, I don't know. I was going to say well, Hogwarts, but I realized book- I didn't have the right to say that because I haven't even seen those movies. So the boss, he, he, um, there's a big book launch that's happening and her boss's boss, Kenneth pulls her aside. I got so mad. He was like, Hey, I'm going to be introducing Salman Rushdie at this thing. But I think what would be really cute is if you introed me, it's like, I don't want to fucking introduce you. Who the fuck are you to get an introduction before Salman Rushdie? <laughs> 
but she has an intro him and I'm like what the fuck kind of job is this but yeah so that so that happens and then um I thought it was really funny that later on in this scene she's there it's a work event so she's there Daniel Hugh Grant is also there the flirtation sort of continues um mm-hmm. she has a, a woman who I believe she works under whose name is Perpetua 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 walks up as she's speaking. Mark Darcy, of course, he pops up over and over in this in this movie. He's mm-hmm. there as well. She is speaking briefly with uh, Mark, and Perpetua walks up and says, "You're going to give me an intro." And <laughs> she's got like a mouthful of food, and she asks for the intro before she's even fully stepped into the room. And I just thought that was insane, like to walk up to two people having a conversation and look at the one that you know and be like, "Introduce me." <laughs> like without us, like without even clocking whether they're talking about something or just like yeah, walking you have in it no idea of the relationship that these two <laughs> people have to each other and what the topic of conversation at hand is it could have been a business conversation or like you know a meet like anything but it was just like but i think the point is she doesn't think much of bridget anyway oh so for she, sure yeah for sure mm-hmm. But it was just the way she did it was so, so brazen. Rude. And it was just so rude. And it was like, she may not even know this man's name yet. But okay. <laughs> so that was a really funny moment. And then I wrote down we Miss Honey from Matilda. Um, <gasps> she shows up in the midst. And wait, does Miss Honey play Natasha? Yeah. Oh my god, I never clocked that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Life the actress's is... the actress's name is um Imbeth Davids. Yes. Um and um she she plays I've seen her in a couple of movies where she plays these cold frigid women, which is so interesting to me because like talk about a movie that had an impact on me as a child. I had such a deep and profound love for Miss Honey. Like, me too, which oh I'm my like, God. Why, like, why didn't I thought that that was her? Well, it's so funny that you didn't. This was like, it was like, you know, also it's because her hair's a lot shorter. She looks a lot different. I mean. Yeah, she does. She was just so sweet. So yeah, so she's here. She's <laughs> she's extra cold. Um, mm-hmm. She's not a fan of Bridget and she is trying to get her hands on uh, Mark Darcy. And mm-hmm. also there's a moment where Perpetua who apparently knows Natasha she's speaking with her and then she says he's gorgeous I was like Colin Firth he's fine <laughs> like I don't know if gorgeous is the word I would use to describe Colin Firth he's cute it's like all right let's calm down um he's very dashing but the thing is the thing about Colin Firth is like I think he he's a good-looking guy certainly but like the thing that makes him much more dashing is like his personality he's a, he's so stodgy in this movie too it's just I know like, he's like a slow he's such a slow burn also real the slow character burn. Mark Darcy like throughout these movies too becomes less likable to me Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, a little more of the journey. Um, well, the 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 first movie is really good. The second one is an absolute mess, and the third one is cute. Okay, okay, and then yeah, so so this whole thing happens. Bridget like does the intro for her boss, and then he like throws her like it, it's not great. But I mean, he's not great. Um, and then when he gets up to the microphone, he like turns it on and like gives her a dirty look. It's like, why wasn't the microphone turned on for Bridget before she even fucking started doing the intro? That's not her job. She's not, she doesn't work in like the sound department here. Like <laughs> she's not just, an like, AV. Yeah, he just looks at her like you idiot. Like you didn't know that my, you have to turn the microphone on before doing a speech. 
I do love, I say all the time the line where she's like, she can't think of his name and she, it, she keeps, the man we all call, and then it's, tits perfect, tits perfect, tits perfect. I do say that quite a bit. But she catches herself, so it's like, she I mean, does. That's the win. She does. She brings it home. Also, sucks her tits all the time. Gross. I know, disgusting. Um, yeah, they go, she goes out to dinner with Mark. They leave here. I'm not sorry, not Mark. She goes to dinner with Daniel. Hugh Grant, they're talking. You know, he tells her that he knows Mark and that, you know, they were really good friends that Mark slept with his wife. And I literally turned to Dave and I said, he's lying. It was the other way around. Like, I, <laughs> I instantly I knew. I was like, no, not the character that they presented. You know no. that that's not what happened. Um, I know. And the thing is, like, I knew because I read the book first. But, like, as a kid, I was like, <gasps> you know, obviously scandalized. For sure. Because I also think, like, you just, be- I don't know. You just believe. It. No, you didn't know. Of course. I, I mean, I'm looking through it through the lens of like a man like approaching his 30s. And I can see things <laughs> in the story that I wouldn't approaching have. Approaching his 30s. Okay, Sydney. You know. um, so, yeah. So, anyway. I do um, know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Her mom, I was sort of her mom's hawking these like boiled egg shellers. Um, I love her work. mom. So well. love her mom? Yeah, that just like she's so bitchy and like hilarious. Like her just mom, the, her the, mom was appalling in this. Of course, of course she is. But that's the fun of her. Like she's not. I'm not saying she's a good mom, but it's like interesting. It's, I hope your wife can hear this. That we think adultery is <laughs> fun. We think it's cute. It's a way of life. Okay. No, get well, yours, James. Whatever since works. She's editing this. I'm. I'm sure she'll hear it. But and she'll be thing- able to see you the way I see you. Not, I don't think what the mom does is cool or whatever or good, but I think she's funny. I think it's well acted. I think her lines are well delivered. I oh, like you enjoy the actress? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, no, I agree with and that. And the yeah. character is hilarious. The character is a hilarious character. Which part where she's breaking her husband's heart <laughs> oh um, by carting out her little her little thing at um, Julie gathering at mutual friends? I love the line she says, like, close up, he was actually purple. <laughs> no, I was not here for her or her antics. I was so mad at her by <laughs> this fucking movie. She did some disrespectful shit. Of course she did. Scandalous. And then at the end of the movie, also, she doesn't even fucking apologize. She never, she <laughs> never says. This is, this is like a British mother 20 years ago. You think she's going to, like, put her tail between her legs and be like, I was wrong? <laughs> yeah. I do. I think that if you cheat on your husband and then you <laughs> an apology is in order. I agree. Cool. I'm As opposed not... to her, just all she does, all she does is she comes back and she sits down next to her husband and she lists the reasons <laughs> why he made her do what she did. You, oh, you, you have that deep, close connection with our daughter. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm a good dad. Um, you and Bridget, you two, you talk about things, and I'm not a part of that. And so I fuck this guy. Okay, I am not advocating for anything that she does. I just think Ugh. she's an enjoyable, funny character to watch. Also, it's like, I, I, of course she's not going to apologize. She's a bad person. Also, all of her, like, her little doe-eyed, like, oh, like I'm bad. <laughs> oh, he wasn't nice to me in the end. It's like, no shit. He's a vile man. He broke up a marriage. And you, and also... <laughs> The thing is, it takes it's a special kind of asshole who does what she not just does what she did and like cheat does what she did and cheats, but also like I'm not just cheating with him. I'm gonna bring him to like a mutual longtime family friend's home, a I know, large that's gathering. Up. Because 
in doing that, and you know your husband's going to be there, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you are completely emasculated in this moment. <laughs> like, what do you do at a, at a at like a mutual friends gathering when somebody walks in with the person that they're cheating? I would honestly, if that happened at my home, I would walk up to her and I would say, "You need to go home." Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it it uh, truly is indefensible. I mean, it's a really, really mean thing to do, it's and it's like, like you made the choice too to like cheat on your husband and blatantly like piss all over your marriage vows and choose this like disgusting tv presenter to be with so you that means that you have to give up some of those privileges that you enjoyed when you were a married couple which means showing up to these parties where you're both invited and like, uh, or at least wait until like at least get a divorce and like wait right until wait till the like the wound dry. is healed a bit because yeah. all because the only thing all that means is that the whole night everybody is just thinking about everybody's just looking at your husband and thinking like oh man like <laughs> she's just she's just doing this huh and then she has the nerve to go up to british and to go up to bridget and be like your father he's acting strange tonight like, sure, I think girl. he was trying to fuck. It's like, yeah, because like you're parading your adultery right in front of him and in front of all your friends. Like, Why is he is... so wacky? <laughs> so weird. Oh my God. So all of that insanity. Um, her mom also legit looks her in the eye and says that if I had the chance to do it again, I would not have children. I know. I wrote that line down. It's so funny um, to me. <laughs> and I was like, I guess don't take it personally, I guess. Um, it's hor- What a horrible thing to say to your child. What an unnecessary thing to say. Say that to your sister. Don't say it to your say, daughter. Say that to your therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody needs to know, really. But Nobody it's, a, it's a rough. I was trying to think. I also, I tried to take a moment to think about, like, if my mom said that to me, would I be able to, like, not internalize it? Um, and I don't know. Uh, there's um, no way. Also, like, I, I would be like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm an absolute delight. How dare you? Yeah. And then um, her mom's boyfriend, Julian, like, says, oh, you look the same age as your mother, which is just like, even if you fucking thought that, shut the fuck up. That's rude to say to a 32-year-old woman. Don't say it to her. Don't say it to her. You can say it to her. You can say it to her mom after she walks off. Like, oh, you exactly. do. But nobody wants to hear that to their face. You look the same. It's like, this bitch got to be 32 and fabulous. 20 years can ago. Can I have I my mom in the sun? Damn. Okay. Enough. So rude. <laughs> so people have no problem with looking Bridget in the face and saying, you are a piece of shit. They do it they, often. She's it so, so mistreated. It's so disrespectful. And she's just, it's also just like, what does that mean for the rest of the world? She's like this thin little cute too, white girl. I know. You know, the world's the world's definition of beauty incarnate is like it's, this woman. And it's just like, and everybody's like, fuck you. Fuck you. Well, that's what bitch. it did for like, like me watching it, who's like bigger than her, doesn't look like her, you know what I mean? Like in any possible way. And also the thing, and like it made me feel like shit, but also like the thing about Bridget too is she internalized it as all her fault too yeah. which is actually right on par with what women do well you time one thing i was gonna say and this is something i thought about i didn't write this down but i thought is this movie oh this is getting meta but is this movie merely a reenactment of what's happening in her mind mm-hmm. her interpretation of what happened when she walked into that party like was this what happened or is this the way that bridget perceives everyone to be taking her in and processing her showing up in this outfit you know what i mean yeah well 
actually, that's I actually do think that is like a very smart point because it is her diary. So this is all based on her diary entries. And so, I mean, of course, it's all fabricated, of course. But the thing is, is that it's pulled from these pages. And so these pages have Bridget's interpretation of what happened and whether whether those things were said outright or implied with what they said, certainly as it comes off on screen, the people are horrible to her in a yeah. very blatant way, which could be how she's receiving it more it's, so than how it's happening, even if the message is still there. That's yeah. I, so it is interesting to think about it through that lens. Yeah, um, that's that's really smart. But then the next thing that I that I wrote down, you know, Bridget returns to the city. Daniel obviously had to leave for that big work emergency. She goes to his apartment. She's talking to him briefly. It is flat. She hears a noise. She kind of gives him a look, and she heads for the for the bedroom. Opens the door. There's nobody there, and she, you know, sort of is embarrassed and a little flustered, and chalks it up to just like you know an exhausting weekend in the country. And she's getting ready to head home. She gets downstairs, and before I noticed it, Dave noticed it. Like mm. that coat on the rack, that bright ass pink child's coat it it was like it was it was just so like it was a small cardigan but it was also something that character would never wear which was really funny no but you know we saw that she runs back upstairs and also like this woman is so interesting to me because it's like she's so smug and like self-assured it's like then why go hide in the bathroom then bitch exactly in the bed if you're if you're that girl we should say Bridget runs upstairs, opens the door to the bathroom, and it's revealed this naked American. She was woman. in the ensuite in the bath in the bathroom, mm-hmm. yes. And so she's yes. sitting there naked with this like folder in front of her, and she's just got this smug look on her face. And then she says an insane thing that was just like, "What is this unbelievable?" Line? That no one would ever say. Also, it's like just from like a purely like logistical standpoint, it's like, did he discuss her size with you? And like, like this <laughs> is the first thing you're thinking, and you're saying it out loud, like you're already hurting her by being naked yeah, in why, her like, boyfriend's house and you want to double down on that pain? Like, you're a bad person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, what she says is, I I thought you said she was thin. Um, and I want everyone to take a moment to, like, realize how fucked up that is. And maybe you don't yeah. need a moment. Yeah, and he and, I mean, he says nothing or does nothing. It's not like he steps in to be like, what the fuck? Or, you know... But anyway, why she, uh, why does everyone in this movie revel in hurting Bridget? Or again, yeah. now that you brought up the point that maybe this is her perspective, but I mean, again, uh, she says the lines. I, th- you know, I thought you said she was thin, which is probably just the meanest blow. Yeah. Well, also, like, you just fucked her. Yeah, you just fucked her boyfriend. Like that was and, enough. That was all you had to do. You could have been silent. And you would have hurt her just as much. And y'all are like the same size anyway. So anyway, I know um, exactly. <laughs> just skinny white women. Also, did you notice she looks like Natasha? Well, what I noticed was that, and I wrote down, was that, and Dave noticed too, is that she looks like a stand-in for Lisa Renna, is what I wrote down. (laughs) Um, She's got that quintessential hair. But you're right now that I, from a story standpoint, she does kind of look like Natasha, which makes more sense for this world. Also, I had to Google her age because um, Daniel says to her, uh, something about her being, he's like, oh, he's like, you know, she's younger whatever okay this actress is two years younger than renee zellweger and i looked up her age because she looks like she's the same age as her so i was like what does this what does a young have to do with it like what why does that playing into it like like how like how young it's not like she's like amanda seyfried and like 
You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah. not like, she doesn't look like she's like 22. Right. Like, she's a woman who's achieved a certain level of status at this company. So she's at least in her like late 20s. Like, exactly. Down, she has to, yeah, she has to be at a certain level. Yeah. She she's younger than you. So, Anyway, so Bridget, you know, makes a decision for the first time. She stands up for herself in this movie. She and she's like, "I'm not going to keep working here," which is like, of course not. This guy's a fucking ass. Yeah. And she, and she, and gets, gonna, she oh, also gets a new job. She has a new job. Oh, also, it's a mind fuck for many reasons because it's like, not only are you cheating on me, but you're cheating on me with another person who's has ties to our to our, the UK branch of our company. So it's like, so I literally have to watch you with the person that you cheated on me with, who called me fat to my fucking face. <laughs> At the office all day while I'm like a lowly, like, you know, whatever I do in publishing, like sit down at my desk, watch you, you know, above me, like, you know, canoodling. It's just, it's so many layers of disrespect. Um, So many layers. And it's so fucked up. And like just the advantage he takes of like a subordinate. Oh yeah. And also her ending it, her being like, I'm done. And then him like being like, no, like you can't go. And like, it's like, no, you have to stay here and watch me. Carry well, on this sham of a relationship, Bridget. Like, I can't believe you well, want to leave. Wants, it's clear he wants to keep her in his pocket because he likes her, but... Oh, he wants know, to keep her in his pocket. He probably wants to keep fucking her. He wants to keep her well, that's around. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, he wants to keep her around, and he wants to see how far he can He can butter her up again and make her... these dudes out here are wild. The they, shit that they think they can do and get the away with. The audacity of the all audacity. of these motherfuckers. The audacity. And so Bridget finally stands up for herself, thank goodness. Um, and she goes on, um, you know, a journey of transformation. In she does. Everything. She gives the iconic Saddam Hussein burn. Yeah, that? that's right. Yeah. The classic she... one. She says, frankly, if working here means being within 10 yards of you, I'd rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass, which is like, an iconic line and I exactly it. and it's the first time you see Bridget be like no I'm not putting up with this shit and that's exactly great. no it was a really no it was a great moment and so that all happens we we go on this journey of uh, transformation for her and we he we understood we're starting to understand why Mark is likable in any way and charming Yes, why he's likable, the charm that he's bringing, you know, and um, we're sort of, you know, it's the beginning of sort of understanding why she feels the way that she feels for Mark. Uh, or, or watching her feelings develop for Mark, I should say. In did the beginning we, of the movie, before did he... Did we skip the part where he said, he tells yes. her, okay, okay, I like you. At one yeah. point, she has a terrible dinner with a bunch of um, married people and they're all very rude to her and she's leaving and he like grabs her before she goes and he's like uh, you know first of all he roasts the shit out of her but <laughs> he he like lists all these reasons why she's like not great but he ends it with like I love I, I like you just as you are I like you just as you are and it's a sweet moment and so then mm-hmm. it's followed up in this moment where once again it comes up and he says you know to Bridget you know just as she is and there's a toast and everybody sort of celebrates her in this moment. It's the first time she's really celebrated in the film for yeah. just being who she is, you know? Um, her friends by... all all show up and they have this nice dinner with Mark and they toast Bridget and they say to Bridget, who we love just as she is, and Mark and Bridget have this moment where he, like, he knows, okay, she, 
she's talked to uh, to her friends about me and I think she might be kind of into me. And um, right then Daniel shows up drunk. You know, he's trying to win. It's inappropriate, of course. And um, he pulls Bridget aside. She, she steps away from the party. They're on the balcony, but like within earshot of everyone. And um, he's talking to her and he's explaining that he's no longer with uh, Lara and that he is on the market again and available to be hers. And I mean, what an offer. What uh, an offer. <laughs> so I treated you terribly. He also says this? he also says that she broke up with him. So he's like, Lara broke up with me. <laughs> you are you want me now? It's like fuck He's you. like, he's like over. It's totally over. She broke up with me and she realized like once she realized I wasn't over you. And it's like Okay, sweetie. Yeah, yeah. fucking right. Fuck off. She but although Bridget seems ass. to be like trying to decide what to do, and it's like, girl, <laughs> there, there's no other decision. Um, <laughs> you either make it now, or it'll be made for you in a couple months. Boo-boo. I mean, like, he truly he made a fool of you. He disrespected like... <laughs> you on so many levels. He let her call you a fat bitch at his house, butt naked in his bathroom. Like, I didn't like, say, didn't a, say god a goddamn word. word. His uh, lips were fucking sealed. Oh my god. So, it's appalling. And she's thinking about it and then, you know, in this moment Mark comes in, he's flustered, and then he just sort of says he's leaving and he storms off. And then he gets outside and he's like, you know what? Let me double back real quick. I'm not gonna give up, you know, <laughs> another one. And so he goes in and he he tells, you know, he tells Daniel, get your ass outside. We're throwing hands. And so they go outside. There's a big fight scene, um, which all you know, which honestly is largely Daniel's fault. Daniel Daniel throws out sucker punch. And know. the fight is funny. It's two like almost middle-aged men just like yeah. not who don't know how to fight, like stuffing, you know, they they fall into a Greek restaurant and you know, fall in a bunch of food and ruin a cake and all that kind of stuff. I want hummus now. Um, But (laughs) yeah, so all of this is happening. And then, you know, Mark delivers that last punch, which takes Daniel to the ground. Bridget starts yelling at Mark. Uh, Mark storms off, you know, Bridget basically is like, you know, you, you, you fucked his wife and you know, you've been a horrible person to him and then you do this. Well, she doesn't like, say blatantly that he she doesn't say blatantly that, but also it's like, just how about we also just like do an assessment of everything we know about these two men up to this <laughs> point know. to determine who's probably the more solid of the two <laughs> and more, you know, and more likely to have done something that fucked up. But yeah, you know, like take a minute maybe take a poll with your friends and be like, hey, what do you, who do you guys, whose side do you think I should be on? Should I choose the guy who blatantly cheated on me with some woman or the other guy who is probably like pretty nice and we had like a great evening together and yeah, said some mean stuff to me when we first met, but made up for it when he told me that he likes me just as I am. Who do you you guys think is, based on everything we know of them, is more comfortable with adultery? (laughs) In any any way. If you had to choose, gun to your head, who is going to hurt Bridget more? Yeah, and then it's like, maybe the person who's hurt you already? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe not, though. (laughs) Um, So this whole thing happens. Mark storms off. She basically, Daniel thinks this means they're going to get together, but Bridget's like, no, 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 that's not the headline. Um, He said, well, he said the line he says to Bridget, which is so insulting. He says, if I can't make it with you, I can't make it with anyone. And she's like, that's actually not good enough for me. But I would have had so much more to say to him. I'd be like, that's all you got? That's like your romantic line to me? If I can't make if I can't make it with you, I can't make it with anyone. See, I think that that means 
you're you're the best you're so perfect if i can't make it work with a perfect girl like you then i can't okay so i that's so funny because i took it as like look if i can't make it work with you a person who like is kind of obsessed with me and like is like a puppy dog following me around and really likes me then like i can't Uh, make it with anyone else that's That's probably more on i mean that's more on brand for for this daniel guy so maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's no it could be either way but regardless it's Mm -hmm. no is the answer sir so (laughs) she just basically is like no still leaves his ass on the street so um so then um there's a scene where bridget's mother returns home this is around new year's yeah so she's like this is like a few weeks she's she's home for christmas with her family bridget's home for christmas she's with her dad at the house they're watching the qvc show that her mom and her mom's boyfriend julian are both co-hosting um you can see that her mother seems dejected and just really sort of like forlorn and they turn it off and then her mother shows up and she has a sit down with the dad where she basically explains him all the reasons that he forced her to cheat um, it's so it's I never really thought of it that way until you broke it down but it is so mean <laughs> she's like she's like I cheated on you but you made me cheat on you by you didn't show me enough attention you have all those inside jokes with Brid- with Bridget and I'm sort of like left on the outside so I had to find a dick um, <laughs> and the dad is like oh I don't know I'm gonna have to think about this and then he's like just kidding I'm a cuck um, <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so she takes him back and then, and then so that, and this, i mean it is a b story but it certainly wraps up quickly <laughs> yeah it's yeah under rug swept. with exactly i knew you were gonna say under rug swept oh it's of like, course right. it's like <laughs> we're all w- walking on all these lumps but at a certain age it's like what are you gonna do you know? yeah it's just like oh yeah at a certain age who cares about dignity or respect um <laughs> So dad takes her back and um, then Bridget finds out from her mother that uh, Mark was actually cheated on uh, by his wife with his best friend, the best man at his wedding. And she realizes that Daniel was the one who slept with Mark's wife. Um, And it sort of changes everything in her mind. And they're on their way to this party that she wasn't going to go to because Mark was going to be there and she thought he was a jerk. And then her parents revealed this to her and she's like, oh my God, we have to go. So they have this sequence where they're in the car, her dad's driving, but a little too slow. And she's finally like, you know what? Get your geriatric. I think she's get your geriatric ass in the passenger seat. And she's, yeah. And she switches places. (laughs) And and when they get out of the car, she twists his arm behind his back a little bit. And she says, (laughs) hold in his ear. And then she pushes him (laughs) into that. Um, And then she slaps him across the face she has time for that yeah for sure and then she gets in the driver's seat you know she speeds off to the house she gets there in time to see you know mark's father who does gives a really inappropriate speech where he basically says he says well my, my she son sees is- Ma- she sees mark first and she confesses how she feels to she him sees him first. she confesses how she feels to him you're right and then they're sort of interrupted and um they well she pulls him aside she tells him how she feels she says you know i'd love for you to i I, basically i'd love to pick it up where we left off and see if this could be something Mm -hmm. um and then there's the big announcement his father's making turns out mark's gonna take a job in new york and natasha is going with him and his father and his father says natasha who i who i think will will be something more one not even no he says who will be something more one day that's what he says he says who we it's like i was watching you struggle through that I was like, no no give it up here <laughs> he goes and i don't i hope we don't 
I hope you don't mind saying because we're among friends, we hope that Natasha will be something else in law one day soon or something. And they start playing, the band starts playing the wedding march. I don't know that he says we hope. I feel like he says, um, Natasha, who will, who will Dave be... pull up the script, <laughs> the script, pull <laughs> up the script. It's the way he says it. It's like, it's like a declarative statement, but it's like, but it's not an engagement announcement. So it's like, he's going to propose one day. We know, he, it, he, which is well, so weird, which is so weird because you get the impression that like, he hasn't actually said anything to his father about that no but his father like likes natasha also there's been no inkling that he and natasha are actually dating because mark always introduces her as his work colleague but i do think like i don't know i mean obviously it's established earlier in the movie that natasha like would so that she's desperate yeah (laughs) <laughs> so there's this whole moment. Bridget takes us in and then Bridget says no. And everybody stops and turns and looks at her. And, you know, she embarrasses herself a little bit, but it's fine because it's Bridget. And we- it's cute. She's it's like, cute. She she's to like out of an impossible. <laughs> she always does like embarrassing. She's like, no, uh, uh, it's just uh, it's such a shame. We'll be losing such a great legal mind. <laughs> you're like, yeah, and you're like, all right, girl. <laughs> so this all happens. And then, you know, Mark ends up showing up later on at Bridget's home and her friends were there they were all going to take a trip to Paris and Mark shows up unexpectedly and of course she's like you know her friends are like oh does this mean you're not coming with us it's like duh bitch you guys know you're second string (laughs) so they go upstairs and yeah and then there's a moment where Mark you know Bridget's Bridget goes into her room she wants to change into you know better underwear and um, she's going to her room to sort of freshen up before she gives it up and um (laughs) Mark sees sort of her journal. He sees his name, which sort of piques his attention. He picks it up. And it's just a bunch of journal entries of Bridget being like, Mark's marking shit. Mark's trash. <laughs> Mark was trash again today. Mark's fucking off to the grouch at this point. He's as much trash as you can be. Um, he's a trash man. Uh, and <laughs> she says the, the line that they focus on is like Mark Darcy acts like he has a gherkin stuck up his backside <laughs> yeah exactly Mark and then the next thing you see is Mark walking off Bridget comes out of the room she sees Mark she she sees her journal she realizes he's read it she throws on and I said to Dave it's like if this bitch runs out of this house without pants on because I just knew she was going to put on some some bottoms Bridget ran out of that house in the snow with uh, <laughs> A cardigan on in her drawers. I know. It's in tennis. And she's running after him. She's hoofing it. And she runs, she catches him. She it's like, way to, keep, way to play it close to the chest, girl. But it's also like, <laughs> we went from like, sort of like measured and reserved to just like throwing it all on the table. And in my head, I was thinking this, I was thinking, is he leaving? Because you do feel like he's leaving, but it's like, is he really leaving? Like he hasn't been trashed this whole movie and just finally all of a sudden decided to treat her like with some fucking respect. But then you, you realize that he's just going to sort of get her another journal because he wants to write a whole new chapter and a new story. And it's really sweet. And and they have their moment where they're kissing in the snow and everybody. That's like the most romantic. I mean, I that like to me, I'm like, I want to have that moment where it's like, I hopefully be fully clothed, but in the snow, like 
kissing, you know. If I was, yeah, it'd be nice to have a moment like that in a safe space where it wasn't going to be like, you know, gay bashed or hate. <laughs> um, well, but- I mean, I don't think in any sort of romantic fantasy you're adding in the gay bashers. Like, I feel like they would probably not be part of the moment. Or they just sort of walk up and spit on the ground near your feet and then walk off <laughs> in like a huff. And it's like, but they keep it to themselves for once. So any of that would be cute. But yeah. So anyway, uh, it's a really, it was cute. It was, it was, you know, the, the ending that I want in every romantic comedy. I want them to fall in love and I want them to, you know, overcome. And I will say a lot happened. It was chock full of events and it was a lot of fun. Um, I I mean, for me, I'm, I'm so glad that you did. It's a huge comfort movie for me. I know, you know, it's funny because it is 20 years old. So there's things that I watch now where I'm like, oh God, but uh, to me, it is a romantic comedy that like really holds up and it's it so really delightful. Good. And I just feel like I smile and like giggle the whole way through. I agree. I agree. It um, it was a lot of fun. Um, do you want me to give you your movie for next week? I am so excited to hear what am I watching? Although sometimes I know this instrument is native to Australia. You throw it out and it comes back again. This is going to be your first time taking a foray into Boomerang. Starring <gasps> Eddie Murphy, Robin Givens, and Holly Berry. And it is going to be <laughs> a gift that keeps on giving. I'm really excited because I, while this is absolutely a movie I've missed, I've been wanting to watch it for a long time. I just have You're going to love it. It's it's great. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a movie mm-hmm. that I haven't seen in a while, but I have seen multiple times and I remember really loving it. And I apologize in advance for anything problematic that happens once you start watching it. But we'll address that when the podcast starts, honey. We didn't we make will, it. Trust me, we will go there. We will hold everybody's feet to the fire, including but our it, own. Exactly. But it is a delightful <laughs> film. It's before Eddie Murphy started making all of... It's after he did all the cop films, but it's before he started making all the children's films. It's like this <laughs> sweet spot where Eddie Murphy was playing... He played quite a few, like, bad boys who, like, like mm. wore suits, and he looks really adorable in this movie, and it's mm-hmm. just great. Marcus, darling. That's another character in the film. It's it's great. I can't I'm wait. Gonna I have... I don't I don't have any first impressions right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, you, you'll, you'll... I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. I can't wait. Yay! Yay! This was a lot of fun. We did it. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening to us for however long you did. And we appreciate you and we love you. And we will um, be thanking you in numerous sexual favors. Just come up to us on the street when you see us and and ask for them. And (laughs) we'll do what we have to do. Jane loves when somebody walks up to her and whispers in her ear, blowjob. She knows what it means. And, um, <laughs> well, yeah. of course I know what it means. <laughs> Anyways, thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Tits perfect, tits perfect, tits perfect.